Welcome to the Common Ground Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rawlings and... Kevin Whitham. Well, we want to welcome you to our first Common Grounds podcast, and we're excited to be bringing this to you week to week. I'm here. I'm Kevin Witham, and I'm here with Megan Rawlings, and we're co-hosting this each week. And Megan, I want to ask you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where you fit in the Stone Campbell movement and some of the things you're about in ministry as we get this started. Yeah. Hey, guys. My name's Megan Rawlings, and I fit in the Christian church sect of the Stone Campbell movement. Um, and I am super excited about the unification of the Stone Campbell movement. Um, I run a women's ministry called The Bold Movement, and um, I'm super excited to do this with you all. Well, we're excited to do it. With you, and give us a little bit of a information about the bold movement, just real quickly, and where people can find out a little more about it. Absolutely. So the bold movement was created to help women go deeper in the word. And we teach women how to study the Bible while they are studying the Bible. We teach them how to use outside resources like lexicons, interlinears, commentaries, all the goodies, um, because women are helping shape the future of the church by teaching other women and kids and anyone who will listen. So it's super exciting. Um, Love doing it. I It's my passion. And you can find us at thebullmovement.com. And Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you fit in with all this? Well, I'll do that. So I've got a lifetime in the Churches of Christ, and I've been in ministry in the Churches of Christ for over 35 years. So most of it all out here on the West Coast have uh, preached for churches since I was in my early 20s, mostly in San Diego County about nine years in Texas at the Westover Hills Church there in Austin, but now uh, been with the North County Church of Christ for the past five years. Great family of believers that are a part of this uh, great unity and restoration movement. So that's where I fit in, and boy, I'm glad to be doing this with you, and I'm excited about our initial guest today. Uh, We've got some great things to share because every movement um, has somebody that God uses uh, to get the wheels turning, to, to bring something about. And so we've got two with us today who have really built the foundation of this movement that's underway and growing in cities across the country, John Teal and Nick Zola. So I want to, John and Nick, welcome. I want to just give you guys the opportunity to introduce yourselves. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. I'll, I'll let you go first, Nick. Okay, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks to both of you and to John for setting this up. This is really exciting. Uh, my name is Nick Zola. I, uh, I am a, an associate professor of New Testament at Pepperdine University, and that might lead you to believe that my background is in the Churches of Christ, because Pepperdine is affiliated with the Churches of Christ, but that's not the case. I uh, didn't grow up religious at all, but became a 
Christian in the International Churches of Christ uh, when I was a high school student in San Diego. And, uh, and so that happened. Uh, I was baptized uh, as a sophomore in high school, was in the ICOC for several years, moved to college in Boston, was part of the Boston campus ministry in the ICOC, so kind of the heart of, uh, you know, of where much of the, the Boston movement and the Boston church began at one point and living there. Uh, and then decided, although my undergraduate degree is in uh, electrical and computer engineering, which wouldn't surprise anybody who saw me probably, uh, that... Um, <laughs> That's uh, great. <laughs> I've, I've seen your picture. I'll, I'll <laughs> you, you can testify <laughs> to that. Um, that, uh, that after finishing that degree, my real passion was for, for teaching the Word of God and for understanding the story of God. And so I decided to um, apply for and then enroll at Abilene Christian University. Uh, and, and a lot of that for me was to understand my own roots and what, what I had come from. Um, shortly before that, the, uh, the ICOC had gone through its own kind of internal upheaval and was doing a lot of self-reflection. And so it seemed like the right time for me to go and understand the heritage of the International Churches of Christ by going to a Church of Christ university and learning about that other side of my family, uh, a family that I didn't really know anything about to be honest. And so I went uh, and got a master's degree in New Testament at Abilene. And then from there, uh, got a PhD in New Testament at Baylor University, but then got my first teaching job um, at a Christian church university at Lincoln Christian University in Lincoln, Illinois, uh, which is where my wife was from. She'd grown up just about 45 minutes from there in Bloomington, Illinois, and her her dad was a graduate um, uh, from there. And, uh, and so that was my first three years of teaching was on the Christian church side of things. Uh, so I've had, I've dipped my toe in several, you know, in several of the streams of the Stone Campbell restoration movement. I do joke that there was a short time when we were living in Waco that our son attended a Disciples of Christ uh, Child Development Center. So, so we as a family are the face of the restoration movement. Uh, <laughs> wow. you, you have hit all the streams and all the tributaries, it sounds right. like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then from there, uh, and then from Lincoln Christian, I got my, my current position at Pepperdine. So now I've been at Pepperdine. This is my fifth year at Pepperdine university. And that's a difficult, difficult place. I hear it's ugly. (laughs) I, no one listens when I complain. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Rough duty up there. Well, Nick, we're glad to have you with us, and and you're so fit to having touched all streams of this movement uh, to help us kick this off uh, today. Thank you for being here. John, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your spiritual journey. Well, I go way back. Uh, I was baptized in 1980 in a Church of Christ in Michigan, um, in western Michigan. And uh, later on, I I joined a a church planting uh, that was in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, while I was there, that, that was a, a church that, that was planted kind of through crossroads, through a ministry that was in Tampa, and then they planted the church up there. And, and so I joined up with that group. It was small, but they were growing, and it was really exciting, and um, um, it, was, it was really a great time in Lansing. And then I found out that uh, Great Lakes Bible College, which is a, a, a Christian church college, was there, and I decided to go to uh, Bible college. I didn't finish my degree there, 
Uh, eventually, I, I finished my degree at um, Central Christian College of the Bible, um, and uh, and so I've I've had my my foot in the in 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 the Church Christ and the Christian Church uh, being educated there, and then I've been in the ICOC for about uh, thirty five years, and wow. so um, that's kind of my story. You know, I think uh, for me, I I always was kind of um, a little grieved by how we were all divided in our different camps. And so it's always been in my heart to kind of bring things together. And one thing led to another, met some people and, and, uh, and we kind of took off from there. So, well, we've, we've kind of got all, uh, we're, we're ganging up a little bit here that we've got three Californians, uh, on this and then one <laughs> from Ohio. Sorry, Megan, you're the, uh, you're the outsider here, but it's hey, interesting. Our movement is so strong on the other side of the country. It's interesting to kick this off with three guys in California. Um, let's talk just a little bit about the Stone Campbell movement, the restoration movement, because one of the things I think that struck me early on, John, when you put up the Facebook page and large numbers of people started being drawn to it and interested in it from uh, all, all the streams of our movement, it often came up. What is the Stone Campbell movement? And you'd, you'd put that little question, are you a part of a Stone Campbell movement church? And some would say, what is the Stone Campbell movement? Would you guys take a few moments and talk about the movement itself, its goals, and, and just a little background to it to help people that are listening? Sure. Nick, Nick, would you like to take this one? Yeah, I will. And it's a funny question because I can remember... Um, being uncomfortable with that term. And certain people, I think even ironically within the Stone Campbell movement, become uncomfortable calling it the Stone Campbell movement because we, we don't want to pretend that we're following particular individuals or that um, that somehow everything that we believe comes from two, you know, from two particular people or something like that. At the same time, I'm I'm a strong proponent of continuing to use that terminology specifically because I think it helps us remember what we come from, and the fact that even though we're, we're not intentionally trying to follow, you know, specific individuals necessarily, that we have a, we have a history, we have a heritage, we've, we've inherited something, and there are reasons why we do what we do, and there are reasons why our churches look the way they look, and if we, uh, if we ignore that part of our history, then we are in some ways doomed to make the same mistakes over and over again. And honestly, I think that's one way of describing much of what the ICOC fell prey to. Uh, they fell into this trap of believing that we came from nothing and then ended up repeating a lot of the same mistakes that if you study Stone Campbell history, you can you can find already. So that was a long way of, of getting back to then to this answer of your question. There, there were two individuals, Barton Stone and Alexander Campbell, who, uh, Campbell, who um, in the, you could say, early 1800s uh, found each other. They were each leading kind of individual unity movements and, and movements that were um, attempting to understand what the core of Christianity was in the New Testament and, and get back to that in many ways which is why it's also referred to as a restoration movement, because they're in some ways were trying to restore what they understood to have been lost in some ways in the way that Christianity was currently being practiced in their day. 
And, uh, and they met each other, their groups met each other, and they realized that they had more in common than they had um, separate, and that it would be worth joining together because they could better accomplish their visions for uh, what, what God was trying to do amongst them uh, as, as people who follow Jesus. And so they became eventually known as the Stone Campbell Movement, right? These two separate groups that, that joined together. And so there's this um, beauty and then this tragedy that comes with it, because here is this unity movement. One of the slogans is, uh, you know, is Christians only, but not the only Christians. And there are various other slogans that, that I'm sure some of our listeners would, would know very well that have to do with, with unity. And yet it doesn't take very long, right? Within 70 years or so um, that the the unity movement already splits. And, and that's why we can talk about these various streams now, the churches of Christ and the independent Christian churches and even the disciples of Christ. And then much later, the international churches of Christ. So it's important to me that we keep that nomenclature, the Stone Campbell movement, because it reminds us what we come from. And again, that some of the practices that we have, they have history. They, there are reasons that we say the things that we say. There are reasons that we worship in the in the fashion that we worship. It's because we're the product of some of these um, earlier thinkers from a couple hundred years ago. I'll stop there. And John, if you want to add anything. No, I, I think that that explains it really well. So, well, I, that I've was such a, a good word, nomenclature. I, <laughs> I just googled it. I was like, <laughs> you, you googled it, and I wrote it down to Google later because I can't do. Did you really? I'll read. I'll read it to you because I don't have a PhD. I just have a simple master. So you'll have to you'll have to bear with me. But very good nomenclature. Nomenclature, the devising or choosing of names for things, especially in a science or other discipline. Very nice. You're a good reader, Megan, by the way. And a good, <laughs> good Googler, obviously. Hey, which which brings me to a question that I think is really important. These these issues of unity are so critical as we're we're kind of moving forward. Nick, you spent some time in Boston. Are you a, a Red Sox fan at all? Do you like the Red Sox? Well, you ha you have to be once you've stepped set foot in the city, right? I was. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, we did have trouble. Megan, who's your baseball team? Oh, Yankees all the oh. way! Oh no! And this Padre Padre fan may have trouble with both of you because our team's emerging; it's on the rise, everybody. Yeah, I think I need to go. I hear my husband calling. I don't know if I want to be associated with Red Sox fans. Stick with us. If we can bring unity in this particular set of circumstances, we can we can deal with the Stone Campbell issues. It's a whole other kind of unity. Absolutely. We can unify as the church, but we're not unifying as fans. Sorry, oh, yeah. it ain't happening. It's all gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah. So let me let me ask you guys, um, what were some of the early stirrings in your own hearts and minds that led to the creation of Common Grounds? What got you to the point where you thought we need to do something more with this than what we see happening? And, and here's a way we can contribute. Yeah, I. You want to speak to that, Nick? Or no, John, why don't you take that and why yeah. don't you why don't you talk about your cup of coffee? Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, I, I, I didn't I didn't grow up religious at all. Um, but when I came into the church, um, I, I, I came in contact with some people that started talking in, in terms of, well, 
just sectarian language. And, and while I didn't really think that way, um, I think after, after a while, I think it starts percolating into your, your thinking. And, and so honestly, I, I began um, thinking more like uh, in, in terms of legalism and, and sectarian kind of thoughts and in, in, in this idea of, you know, us kind of being the one true church kind of gets in your mind, right? And, and in your thinking. And uh, as time went on and as I began studying the Bible more, and as, as I began reading more and more about the Stone-Campbell Restoration Movement, I began realizing that the founders of our, our tradition or our heritage didn't think that way. And, um, and all of a sudden, the lights started, you know, coming on and I began seeing, oh, my gosh, you know what, this is, this is not a sustainable way to be thinking. And, um, and it's not healthy for our, our churches to be thinking in, in these terms. Now, we, we have strong convictions about what's right and what's true, and that's all good, right? But, but we don't have a, a, a monopoly on the truth, and uh, none of us do. And so as I began reading people like Leroy Garrett and uh, Carl Ketcherside and, and, and many other people, um, James North, you know, uh, different people I started reading, um, it really started opening my mind. And then as, as that began happening, um, I started getting troubled in my spirit, actually, uh, by, by, by some of the language that we use and some of the ways that we treat other people. And, um, so long story short, as, it, as, that, as that process began, I began reaching out and having cups of coffee with other people within uh, the different streams of, of the restoration movement. And I began realizing, hey, the, we have so much in common, and yet we live in these separate camps. And, um, and I might not have done anything about it if, if it hadn't have been for me meeting an elder from the Church of Christ uh, while we were... Um, actually helping somebody move. And so I didn't know him. His name's Scott Ferguson, and he's an elder in uh, the uh, Simi uh, Church of Christ. Um, and we came to help somebody move, and, and, and we basically had this conversation. Why are we so divided? And he's like, I don't know. Why are we so divided? And I shared this idea of, you know, unity starts with a cup of coffee. And he's like, that's a great idea. Let's just do it. And so... <laughs> We did it. Yes. And um, we got some people together and, and, uh, in the Junkyard Cafe. We had eight people at our first meeting. And in our second meeting, we had some people from Pasadena, and, uh, which is you know a bit of a drive in California. Um, and so they liked it and wanted to start a, a meeting in, in Pasadena. So we started one in Pasadena. And then some people, crazy people from San Diego heard about it. And, uh, and, and so the meeting started down there and then Orange County, then Dallas, and then we got some emerging meetings all over the place and it just kind of went from there. So, yes. That's fantastic. Nick, I have a question for you. Um, you said that you studied at Abilene. When were you there? I was at Abilene from 2007 to 2009. Oh man, I bet that was great. They, uh, 
they are have a reputation for producing doctors. <laughs> they you go there for your masters and then they ship them out to get their doctorate from what I hear. So there was a big group of us while I was there um, that all applied together uh, for, for doctorate programs. It was kind of a funny wave. And in fact, three of us ended up going to Baylor together from wow. ACU. So it was a it was a really fun time to be there. And we built deep community. Uh, it was Abilene is just a great place to ask hard questions, but but be in a faith community when you do. I love it. My, my husband did his uh, MDiv at Abilene. So he always tells me of great stories. And since you do have such an eclectic background as far as the restoration movement goes, can you just talk to us a little bit about the experience you've had with the ICOC, the Churches of Christ, the Independent Christian Church, and um, the different churches and colleges and what aspects of each you liked um, and, and how these have kind of helped form where you're at now? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I like that question a lot because I th- I think m- when you when you approach things from that perspective, you you kind of begin to see the 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 advantage of unity and and why God would even design um, you know uh, uh, work diversity into the mold in a sense, right? That that the church from the, from its beginning was founded with uh, with the idea of of diversity in many ways, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, so so I'll go back. You know, I I again I became a, a Christian in high school. The ICUC, you know, was my introduction to Christianity. So it was basically all I knew. I had never really gone to church before attending an ICOC church. Uh, and so, as, as John mentioned, I, you know, I kind of um, easily uh, found myself believing what I was taught, which was that we were the only Christians and that nobody else was doing what we were doing. And I, and I had no real reason to suspect otherwise because I, I had no experience otherwise. And, and then I began to meet other people. And in particular, um, when I was in college, I, I met a woman who was um, uh, going to the same college that I did in Boston, who was also baptized for the forgiveness of her sins, but who wasn't in my church. And I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile those two ideas. I, I thought that we were the only people who, who did that. Uh, and I came to find out that, you know, that she'd grown up in what was called the Christian churches, which was in, you know, the cousins of the churches of Christ, which is what the ICOC had broken away from. And I began to learn all of this history that I, that I didn't know anything about. And, um, and, and as I began to expand, I had, I, I discovered that I had placed God in a little box, right? And I and I said, God, you can only work in this way, and and you can only go this far, and and this is how things need to be. And and I began to realize that that the kingdom of God is much bigger than I had allowed it to be, and God works in much larger ways than I had allowed God to work. And and so then I began to get to know the local Church of Christ um, in Boston that was near my college, and um, and then I got to know the Church of Christ that was um, local to the um, to my home in San Diego. And then when I graduated, um, I took a year off before I got to Abilene Christian. Um, the so this woman that I um, that I met in college, we ended up getting engaged, 
and uh, and she had a Fulbright scholarship to study in Denmark for the year. And so I decided I would follow her to Europe for the year, and I moved to Germany. And um, and where I moved to Germany was a, uh, a city called Hamburg. And, uh, and oh, hamburger! They, <laughs> it is where, in <laughs> fact, the hamburger comes from. <laughs> and uh, and the ICOC had planted a church there recently, but it was faltering. Um, and this was a couple years after the ICOC had had already been going through some of its really difficult times. And there was also a Church of Christ there. And because I was on my way to ACU. I, I could kind of function as a as a liaison between the two churches. You can Google that word too if you want, Megan. I know um, that word. <laughs> <laughs> and um and 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 what I was able to to kind of witness and even participate in was the the ICOC bringing its kind of characteristic fervor and um and youth and vigor and excitement for evangelism that is what you know the ICOC became known for in many ways right its commitment to discipleship um, and and to living out as best as as they and we understood the you know the call of discipleship from Jesus but but I also was introduced for the first time to the wisdom and the maturity that is often characteristic of the of the churches of Christ, and there were people there who you know who had been Christians all their lives who had studied the scriptures uh, deeply and thoroughly, and and the ICOC lacked a lot of that. And I began to realize when I was there in Germany that that we needed each other, that that what what one lacked the other supplied in many ways, mm. and and it became evident to me that coming together would be far better for both of us than than being separate ones for either of us. And in fact, while I was there in, in Hamburg, uh, I, I had the great, great privilege to witness these two churches come together as, as one church. And that's still um, as it is now today, these people who were from the ICOC and, and, the, um, and the Christians who are in the Church of Christ, they meet together in, in one building and they, are, and they are one church together. And I think that's what planted the vision for me. And I began to realize this, this is something I could get behind. This is something that I could devote much of my life and my effort to because because this is what really matters in the end is is the people of God being the people of God together even within our diversity being unified together. Oh, I love I that. Love it. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love love the whole simplicity of the movement. You know, growing up in the churches of Christ, I was always a student of the movement. Uh, always uh, since my young years, thought it was a tragedy that this great unity movement had divided. So as it had. So when, you know, I first heard John uh, met him or got to know him and, and he reached out and a fellow named Russ Kirkpatrick here in San Diego about just a cup of coffee, getting started with dialogue and conversation. Man, I was uh, in all in at that moment. So it's kind of good to hear where that comes from out of your guy's heart and how God's using it. I'm excited to see how God will use it in the future. And let me let me just throw this question out to both of you. How do you, as you look five, 10, or 15 years out from now, what do you hope to see? And I know that's a big question and there's more than you could probably say here and now, but what are some things you hope to see as you look at those potential milestones, Lord willing, that he gives us that time in the future? Well, in terms of Common Ground's unity, 
as an organization, I hope we become obsolete. You know, I, I, I hope there's no, no more need for us, but, but I, I, I doubt that that's the case. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, honestly, we've kind of like stumbled into this thing and we're, I often say, um, I, I actually Keith, Keith Whitney is, uh, on, on the board as well, as well as Javier Monzon. Um, and, and Keith often says, you know, we're just following the breadcrumbs that the Holy Spirit's laying out. And, and I, it's kind of what we're doing. We're just, yeah. you know, we're just trying to find out where he's leading us to go and, and then do our best to follow that. I, I don't know, Nick, if you want to chime in on it. Yeah. I mean, we joke about that a lot, right? That, you know, eventually we, we shouldn't need this unity movement because we will be unified. So that, that would be the ultimate vision, of course. Um, in, the, in the shorter term, I, I envision or at least one of the great goals that I have, and I think it's several years out still, but, I, but I'd like to um, get there one day, would be to have a giant unity conference between or, you know, or, or with the uh, people from the ICOC and the Churches of Christ and the Christian churches and even the Disciples of Christ, right? And anybody else who wants to join in on this, but, but those groups specifically, those, those streams specifically. And it doesn't mean that we're all becoming one church together, right? I don't, I don't know that that will ever happen again. And I don't know that that's even necessary, mm-hmm. but, but that we recognize each other as sisters and brothers, that we see that we're part of the same family, that that we have cooperation agreements where we can work together and have joint worship times together or joint service times together or ways that, that demonstrate to the rest of the world that that this is that this is one family and that we are representing Jesus together and that we're not split in the way that unfortunately so much of Christianity is in the way that so much of our own Stone Campbell history has been. Uh, and, and John and I have talked about, you know, a, a gathering of that kind before. And, and honestly, that was something way back in Germany. I remember being on the train with my fiance. And in fact, we were reading um, Leroy Garrett. Uh, John had mentioned his name earlier, the Church of Christ minister and, and, and scholar who wrote a history of the Stone Campbell movement. And I remember reading parts of his newsletter, he had, he had um, talked about this Stone Campbell encyclopedia that was published some years ago, but it was edited by somebody from the Churches of Christ, the Disciples of Christ, and the Independent Christian Churches all together, three editors from each of the three streams at that point. And, and I, I remember just having this vision of thinking, oh, we could do this. We, could, we can have a big conference, a big gathering and, and sing songs together and worship together and honor what it is that Jesus prayed for so many years ago in, in John 17 about being one as he and the Father are one. So that's, that's one of my great visions uh, and, and something that I look forward to us accomplishing someday. Hey, let's do a cruise together. Once I'm get, down. <laughs> once, once, once we get past COVID, we could do a cruise, right? John, put that together. I'm in. Yeah, right. that, 
now would be awesome. We could do it in Greece or something like that. that also, we might quickly create a non-cruiser sect or stream. <laughs> hey guys, listen, this has been an absolute blast and we're so thankful that you guys came on. Um, but before we leave, there's one thing that we want to ask our guests every time. Since this movement started with a cup of coffee, the question for you, and I'm going to start with Nick and then we'll go to John. How do you take your coffee? Oh, that's the wrong question for me. I I am not a coffee drinker, right? We are we are common grounds. You could say that I'm I'm groundless. Unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love a good cup of of hot cocoa though. So I I take my hot cocoa as dark as can be, a, a good dark chocolate. Um, I will I will gladly join you with that hot drink in hand. Marshmallows, peppermints, just no, just just straight dark chocolate. That's all I need. Milk or water? Oh, milk for sure. Make it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Make my, it rich. My, my question is: is how do you how do you get through college, your undergrad, do a master's, <laughs> and and get a doctorate, and not drink coffee? Yes, I, I, I am. How, do, how, does, how does a person? How does a person do that? <laughs> I I tried and it has no effect on me, and so so it's not from lack of trying. I once I'll tell I'll make this very short. I I know we're out of time. I once stayed up. I'm embarrassed to say this, two nights in a row to finish uh, a graduate paper in my doctoral program. I was so tired after that, and I thought for sure this is the day, right, that coffee will do something. I was falling asleep in class, and the, uh, and the professor mentioned, and I know she was talking to me, she said, oh, I've just uh, learned that there's extra coffee in the faculty lounge for any students who might want to take advantage of that. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so during the break, I pour myself this big cup of coffee, and I think, I never drink coffee. This will be the day that it keeps me awake, and within five minutes, I was falling asleep again. And so, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I figure at this point, if I've gotten this far, two kids and a PhD, I, I guess I just don't need the coffee. Uh, Maybe that we just need what, the What right a shame. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah. For me, uh, it's, it's half and half, no sugar. And, uh, and it used to be lots of it. I used to drink like three cups of coffee a day, but now I'm getting old and uh, I just can't do it. I can only drink one cup. So. The rest well, of the day, it has to be tea. Well, How about for the two of you, though? We need to turn it back around for this first yeah, podcast, right? So, Megan, how do you take your coffee? I would love to tell you that I take my coffee like my women's ministry, bold. But the truth is, I like brown water. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to introduce a few of you to the right coffee, especially you, Nick. I think we could get you on coffee if we just got you the right coffee. But I'm a The right I, coffee, that's it. I'm a medium roast guy with uh, plenty of cream, but no sugar. I am mm. just sweet enough without it. But uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, listen, that's a good way to close. We encourage people through common grounds to get somebody in your community that's a part of this great movement, somebody that you don't know, and ask them to sit down with you for a cup of coffee or a cup of cocoa, and go to the website. Right. Yeah. www.commongrounds.org. Commongroundsunity.org. Sorry about that. Absolutely. And you can find groups there and learn how to get a group started and, and join the group on Facebook. 
Um, Nick and John, where can people find you if they have further questions? Well, probably the easiest for me is is the Pepperdine University website. You'll find my email address there, and you know the faculty pages. Just search for for Nicholas Zola or Nick Zola uh, with the word Pepperdine, and you'll easily get that quickly. Okay. And and you can get me at John at CommonGroundsUnity.org. Excellent. All right. Well, Megan, we will look forward to being back together next week with another guest. I think we've got Matt Dabs of Wineskins lined up to be with us. And we're going to talk to Matt about some of the shifts in the church. And uh, I think it'll be just a great blessing to those that listen. So, so glad to be together with everybody. And we hope you'll join us in our next podcast. Megan? Hasta la vista, baby. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources, and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.